Father, we, uh, we come into your presence this morning, Lord, and you are always good, and we're so thankful for that, Lord. We are um, thankful, I'm particularly thankful this morning that your goodness doesn't rise and fall with my feelings. Um, Lord, thank you that your promises are always true, that your love is always true, and Lord, I pray that you would just continue to use this morning, Lord, use our, our worship, use our singing and our, our hearing your word preached and sung to... Uh, just make it really, really more and more true. Uh, it's always true, but make it more true experientially for us. Lord, would you give us that grace? Would you give us that gift of um, living in the reality of what's true and experiencing uh, the life with you that um, you've given us and you've made possible in Jesus? And so I pray as we, as we read your word, as, we, as I preach your word, Lord, that you would um, just change us, that you would do something in our hearts this morning in your supernatural ways, Lord, that your spirit would... Uh, have your way with us, Lord, that you would put our, our blocks down and our guards down and allow you in to do your good work because, um, Lord, we're running around looking for life and we actually don't know where to find it apart from you. And so um, would you just help us to, to open ourselves up to uh, what you have for us and, and how you want to give us yourself this morning and ask us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Um, I want to ask this question, has anybody ever heard of a, a man named Forrest Finn? Heard of a man named Forrest Finn? I'd be kind of surprised, but I read an article about this guy. He's an old man who lives in the West. Um, he's an author, but I think it's more like a, no offense to him, but I think it's more like a self-published author kind of thing. I don't think he's like a famous author. Uh, but the reason they wrote an article about him was because he hid a treasure, like a legitimate treasure, uh, of jewels and uh, gold coins somewhere in the West. And it was like in an actual treasure chest. And he told everybody that, hey, I've hidden this treasure and it's worth somewhere between one and five million dollars. And so he gave all these cryptic clues as to where the treasure was. And he said it's somewhere between Santa Fe and the Canadian border west of the Mississippi. And uh, that's about all he gave. And then in his autobiography, and maybe, <laughs> maybe this was to get people to buy his autobiography, but in his autobiography he had a poem that he wrote and he said, look at, read that poem, and, and there's some clues in there. And so for years, people were searching for this treasure that they're just taking this man's word. They've, they've never seen it. Nobody knows that it actually exists. But so many people are out in the American West, like, searching for this treasure. And five people died searching for this treasure. But all these people are out, and that's exactly what he wanted. Because when he was interviewed about this, he's 79 years old, he said, it just makes me sad that there's not that many frontiers to explore and that people are inside all the time and they're in front of screens all the time. And so I hid this treasure uh, to give people the real treasure, which was the journey, which was the adventure of going to find it. And so what, what Forrest is doing in this treasure hunt, and somebody actually ended up finding it, uh, I think it was 10 years after he buried it, somebody, they confirmed that somebody found it, um, but he was trying to, to get people to experience life. He was trying in some way to change people's definitions of treasure and life. And so uh, this Sunday, we're starting a new series uh, called Thy Kingdom Come. The series we're coming out of is called uh, The Priesthood of All Believers. And we explored this idea that um, God makes really clear from beginning to end in his word, from uh, the garden, Adam and Eve as the first priest, that his people were always priests. Um, and the working definition that we had was that priests are those who are close with God and who are inviting others into that closeness. And in that closeness with God, we are gardening with him. We are working 
uh, following him to bring flourishing and reconciliation and abundant life all over his world and to all of his creatures. And he's working that in our hearts. And so um, this new series, uh, we, we sort of pick up with um, Exodus 19 is the first place that God calls his people uh, priesthood of believers, a kingdom of priests. And so that's right before he gives his law. That's right before he gives the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, we'll, we'll just call that like a summary of his law. And so what he's doing there is he's saying um, our working definition of commandments for this series will be, uh, will be this, that he is um, giving us pathways to walk with him in closeness, to cultivate life, to, to be near his heart, and to cultivate life in us and, and through us in the world. That's what these commandments are. They're pathways to the heart of God. They're pathways to living and working and moving and having our, our life and breath in God. And so that's what we're going to do with this series is um, we're going to study these commandments. We're going to do it a little differently. We're going we're to read the commandments, and today we're going to be looking at the first two commandments. And then we're going we're gonna to read either a, an encounter with Jesus from the Gospels or Jesus teaching a parable in the Gospels to allow him to give us a full and accurate picture of what it is to keep the commands and really what the heart of these commands are for so that we can walk these pathways with him by his grace and find life for ourselves and bring life into the world. So we're gonna, we got two passages this morning. Uh, the first is Exodus 20, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read that for us. Exodus 21 through 6 says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands or to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. And now we're going to read um, an encounter that has spoken to me a lot this week, but uh, it's Jesus and uh, the rich young man. Many of y'all are probably familiar with this passage. It's in three of the Gospels, but we're going to look at it in Matthew. It's Matthew 19. And we're going to read verses 16 through 26. And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who's good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This is the word of the Lord. 
Um, and this morning, as we, as we get into this passage, uh, there's three things that I, we're going to be talking about. Uh, the first is what I'm going to call our superficial transactional life. The second is called leaving the shallows with Jesus. And the third, as you might expect, is uh, that there's no Black Panther without Denzel, okay? So the first point, it's okay to laugh. It makes me feel good, so feel free to laugh. Um, and you know what? If you guys want to say amen or anything, that's really helpful when you guys have masks on because this is still really weird. <laughs> so the more interaction we can get, the better. For you, too, because it'll be less boring. Um, okay, the first point is this, our superficial transactional life. This man... Um, and I, I want us to get who this man is because I think this man really is, is a lot of us in this room. This man was young. This man was well off. He was a ruler, just means he had status in society. So maybe we're not rulers, but um, he was just a really good guy. He was successful and he was a good guy. And he was looking for life. And I think that that probably fits the description of a lot of people in this room, including myself. Um, and he, he asked Jesus this question, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And what he's really asking is, how can I get life for myself? How can I come to God and get something for me? It's this transactional approach to life is, uh, what I need is to get something. I need to acquire something. I need to be something or do something or earn something in order to get something. And that's how I'm going to have life. Some status, some security, some comfort, some satisfaction. Like, that's what I need. And, and I want us to stop here and think that this man, really in the eyes of the world, and, and really probably in his own eyes of what he thinks success looks like, you'd think that he would be the last guy coming to Jesus to ask this question, right? Because he's kind of got everything. But he, he has everything, but he doesn't. Because he runs, and in one of the other Gospels it says that he ran to Jesus and fell on his knees. Like, he was really desperate to hear the answer to this question. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says something really weird. Why do you ask me about what is good? You know, that just sounds really off-putting. Here's this really good guy who runs up and he, he falls down at Jesus' feet. He clearly respects Jesus. And that's just not what you would expect Jesus to say. Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. One of the things that Jesus is doing is he's making a really clear connection for us and for this man between three things. The commandments of God, goodness and perfection, and eternal life. Jesus is saying these three things are very interrelated. And you need to see this. But it may not be the way in which you think that they're related. And he's also doing something else. He's throwing a jab at this guy. Um, for any of you boxing fans out there, um, he's throwing a jab at this guy to knock him off his balance so that he can start to see things differently. So it feels off-putting. It feels a little rude, but it's actually a great gift to him. And it's a great gift to us when he does that to us. Um, the connection between these three things, this man assumes that he knows what this connection is. And it's this, again, it's, all he knows is this transactional approach to life. Yeah, yeah, I know these three things are connected because here's what you do. You keep the commands, they make you good, and then you earn or get eternal life from God. 
Like that's how these three things are connected. And Jesus is starting this process of deconstructing his understanding of goodness, of life, and even of these commands. And so that, that's where we're, we're on this journey now, and it's starting to happen. And I love what the man says next. He says, which ones? You know, you think Jesus might be like, um, all of them, right? Like, the God of the universe wrote them all down. Do you think he, like, wasted any time with any of these? Like, all of them. But that's not what he says, because, again, he's working for this guy's heart. He's working for this guy's understanding. This guy needs to be able to see. And so, um, he answers with commandments 5 through 9 of the Ten Commandments. You think about the, the commandments, it's really like two tables. Commandments 1 through 4 are more focused on like your loving God. And commandments 5 through 10 are like you're loving other people. And so Jesus starts with loving other people. Why does he do that? Because it's too easy to finesse commandments 1 through 4. If we start talking about loving God, it's just too easy to say, yeah, I do that. Because how do you measure that? But now we're going to start talking about how does it flesh out in my life with other people in actual, objective, tangible ways. So he says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And then this last thing he throws in there, he's, he's teasing where he's going with all of this. And it's, it's a summary of the last half of the Ten Commandments. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so what does this man say? This man says, I've kept all of these commandments. And you know what? Nobody standing there who knew this man laughed when he said that. Because he probably had in a, in a certain way of understanding this. I mean, like, he hasn't killed anybody. He hasn't cheated on his wife yet. He hasn't stolen. He's rich. He doesn't need to steal anything. He hasn't lied in court under oath. He's probably kind to his mother and father. Like, he's like, yeah, I've, I've kept all these. I'm a good guy. And then, you know, even with this love your neighbor as yourself, if, if you're living this transactional way of life and you have this shallow understanding of the commandments, then he's probably being really sincere about that too. Like, I'm a nice guy. I don't do bad things to people. So yes, I love my neighbor as myself. And so he's, you know, all boxes checked here. And so um, the problem here is that his understanding of the law is really deeply flawed. These commandments uh, and, and why God's given these commandments to us is deeply flawed. His version of the commandments just absolutely guts them. There's no more heart in the commandments. And, and actually, the commandments are all about heart. But in his understanding, it's just this shallow facade and it, it's, it's not life-giving. Think about this. It is entirely possible to keep commandments 5 through 9 that Jesus says here. It's entirely possible to keep all those commandments and the shallow understanding of them without ever loving God or other people and only loving myself. I do these things. I don't do these things so that things will go well for me. So that I will do the right thing, so that I can earn something from God, so that people won't look at me sideways. It's entirely possible to keep the commands, if that's your understanding of the commands, without ever loving God or other people. And so not surprisingly, this sweet guy says, I've kept all these commands, 
but what do I still lack? And so in that question is a confession. I still lack. (laughs) I am not whole. This is not satisfying. This life that I'm living of being a good guy all the time and trying to do the right thing and trying to be successful and do it while being a good guy, trying to build this Chick-fil-A of a business (laughs) where I'm, I'm good and we're doing good, but I'm also making money, like that's not going well. Or it is going well, but it's just not going well for me and what I really wanted to get out of this deep in my soul. What do I still lack? This superficial goodness that he's living out of is not giving him life. It's actually draining life out of him because it's just a constant, constant activity. It's a constant performance. You know, think about when he says, like, which commandments do I need to keep? Like, in that question is an admission that, like, this isn't the natural outflow of my heart, right? Like, which commandments do I need to keep? Which ones do I need to concentrate on making sure that I do? Because if I just live life without thinking about it, that's not what's going to come out of me. So can you identify with this man? I definitely can and have identified with this man a lot this week as I've been in this passage. Uh, Because when I forget who Jesus is and who I am, I try to give myself life a lot, just like this guy. I try to do things to get things. I try to consume things to get feelings and to get, you know, it's like whatever it is. Like I'm, I'm consuming entertainment. I'm consuming information. I'm consuming food. I'm consuming drink. I'm just always consuming. If I can just get this other thing that's not here yet, if I can just get this status or get this raise or get more money or get this investment to work out, if I can just get something, someone, somewhere else than here, that's what's going to give life. And, and we just have to stop and ask, like, that's not working, right? Like, when we live that way, it doesn't work. Like, we, we leave with lack. We don't feel whole when we approach life that way. We're, we're actually more acutely aware of our lack when it doesn't satisfy And when you approach life that way, transactionally, you approach God that way, um, guess how you're going to approach people? And here's here's one of probably a million litmus tests of whether you've got this transactional approach to living with other people is, do you feel offended when your good deeds go unrecognized towards somebody else? I do. I do. Um, And that's just this little indicator that like, man, I'm actually loving you for me. And guess what? That's not love, actually. And so this man reveals with his life and his questions and his responses to Jesus that, hey, guess what? I don't know what love is. I don't know how to love anybody. I don't know that I've ever received love. Like love is a mystery to me. I'm just out here like working and doing and and conducting deals and trying to make life work in my own power. I'm trying to control it. And so thank God Jesus knows what love is or else we'd be sunk. And so that moves us into our second point here is leaving the shallows with Jesus. Jesus is going to help this man see how to move into something else, something better. Jesus loves this man. That's so important to see here because it's about to get uh, really ugly. 
But you got to remember as we walk through this story that Jesus loves this man. He sees him and his heart is full of compassion and love for him. How do I know this? Because in Mark's gospel, when he tells this story, he, he says that. He says Jesus looks at this man and loved him. And what does he say? He says, if you want to be complete, if you want to be whole, I've got good news for you. I'm going to tell you how to do it. And then he says, here's what you do. You sell everything, and you give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then you come follow me. Why do you look panicked right now? <laughs> you just think about the look on this man's face. He's like, oh, good, he's about to tell me. And then he, what he tells him is like, oh, no. That is not what I wanted to hear you say. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know, because... The one thing you don't want to hear me say is the one thing that's going to open the doorway for you to walk down this path of life. Because Jesus is putting, with this statement, he is putting the heart back into the commandments. He is helping this man interpret them correctly. Because remember, what does God say back in the passage we read in Exodus? Before he gets into the commandments, he says something really important. I am already the Lord your God. I have already saved you from slavery. I chose you. I love you. I already love you. You're already my people. So what I'm about to tell you, these commandments, this is not a way for you to get into my good graces. This is not a way for you to earn your place in my family. This is something totally different. Because guess what? I've already done everything. God's people have always lived under His grace, even back in Exodus. It was never about earning something from God. It never has been. It never will be. God loves His people and gives grace to His people and makes a way for His people always. To keep the commandments requires your heart. It requires your whole self because it's a way of life. They're not separable. It's a package deal. You keep all of them. It's just this description of this way of life. It's relational at its core because the core of these commandments are love. It's responding to the love that we have for God that God's already given us because He saved us. He's given us life. He's, he's given us Himself. And so it's responding to God's love for Him and it's responding to God's love toward other people. It's receiving God's love from other people and giving God's love to other people, loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's how Jesus summarized these Ten Commandments by saying you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and out of that love you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Like that's what these are all about. That's the right understanding of these commandments. And you know, don't get it wrong. Like you can't do them. Like you can't do them in your own power. So don't even try. Romans 3.20. These, these Ten Commandments, one of their functions is to show us that we desperately need God and His grace. We desperately need a Savior. And when we have that Savior, then by His grace, we can walk with Him in a relationship with Him along these pathways to keep these commandments, not to earn something, but for Him to continue to reveal life to us and give us life and grow us to maturity where our lives are bearing fruit. And that fruit is feeding the world. We are bringing flourishing in life everywhere we go. But then you think, wait, 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 isn't Jesus undoing everything that you just said? Because he gives this man something to do. Is he telling this man that he needs to earn something by giving everything away? No, no, no. Jesus is just, 
he knows what he's talking about. He's done a diagnosis and he's saying, hey, look, I'm just revealing where you are because you, this man in this passage, I'm putting my finger on the pulse of where your idols are, where your false gods, the places that you're looking for life in this transactional way to give them something so that they can give you something and you got to give those up. Because when you, when you say that you worship and follow God, he's not going to allow you to worship and follow him along with several other gods too. You have a choice to make. And so you've got to put these things down and then come and follow me. Come and live life with me. He's not sending this guy away. He's inviting him to be with him. God is inviting this man to have life and treasure in heaven, eternal life, and experience the kingdom of God even now and come and follow him. But the man goes away full of sorrow. Why? Well, we really need to pay attention here. He's in a really hard place. And, and if we're really honest and the Lord's opened our eyes and we've, we've been able to see, you know, we have to admit that we're in a really hard place too. And so nobody throws stones at this guy for walking away from Jesus. Because here's, here's what he has to give up in order to do what Jesus says and have life with him. He's got to give up all of his trophies that up to this point made him who he was. That's a big deal, right? Especially if you're successful. That's a really big deal. He has to get rid of everything that makes the world think that he is somebody. That's a big deal too. He's confronted with the true state of his heart, that his selfish, shallow lifestyle and inability to love, that he's maybe not as good as he thought he was. That's a really hard pill to swallow. That's maybe the hardest of all. And actually, this is probably the hardest of all. He has to give up control. You know, he, he's been sitting behind here, arms linked, doing sort of transactional business deals for his life, but he's the one, like, running things. And now God's saying, no, 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 that, that's all over. I'm the one that has control, and you just follow me. And you know, we have to respect that that's hard. Like, all of this, that's a heavy weight. And so this man had a really serious decision because when you... You know, when Forrest Finn's putting the treasure map out there and it's maybe going to cost you your life and you don't even know it's out there, you just got to take his word for it. It's kind of like this. Like, we don't know what that life looks like. We don't know what this kind of love looks like. We've never experienced it before. We just got to trust. And Jesus is saying, okay, yeah, you can either trust me, which I've proven to be totally trustworthy in every way, or you can go back to all the things that you've been doing, but they're not satisfying you. So it's a hard choice, but it's a necessary choice. So in that way, it's, it's this grace that Jesus has given him, even though it sounds like hard words, because he's, he's got to make this choice. He's got to see now. Um, when, I was, when I was in this passage, it reminded me a lot. If you haven't seen the uh, several years old now, but Jim and Andy, the Netflix documentary on Jim Carrey when he played Andy Kaufman, it's, it's amazing. I, I would highly recommend it. But uh, he describes, Jim Carrey describes something like this in this documentary when he says, uh, it's what everybody goes through when they create themselves to be popular or to be successful. And it's not just show business. It's Wall Street. It's anywhere. You act a certain way. You say a certain thing. You lie through your teeth at times. And you do whatever you need to do to look like a winner. And at some point in your life, you have to be yourself. You have to say, I'm going to face the abyss of not knowing whether that's going to be okay with everybody or not. And that's what Jesus is inviting this man to do. 
you've got to put down all of these self-aggrandizing visions of yourself that you've been trying to show the world and even convince yourself that you are this good person who's got it all together. You've got to lay that all down. That's the only way that you can come follow me. That's the only way that you can have life. And it is terrifying because all those crutches that you've been leaning on to make you think that you're somebody and make everybody else think that you're somebody, I'm about to kick all those out from under you. And you've just got to be yourself. Come be honest. Come be vulnerable. And just come be in my presence. And just see what I do. But you don't get to be in control. And so that gets us to point three, which is the impossible. The impossible, that there is no Black Panther without Denzel. I'm going to explain why I said that in a minute. Jesus tells his disciples after this man goes away sorrowful, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is it's impossible for successful moral people to enter life on their own. But then he says, with God all things are possible. And why? Why are all things possible with God? Because Jesus didn't just walk around spouting sage wisdom from a throne room. Jesus lived the life that he's calling this man to live with him. Jesus left everything. He sold all of his wealth to give to the poor, to give to poor sinners who are so desperately needy for life. We are just dead. We are floundering apart from God. And Jesus sold everything so that we could have life. And you know what he says to this man? Uh, then you'll have treasure in heaven. That's what he's experiencing too. That's what he's doing as he goes to the cross. As he lives this life of keeping all the commandments from the heart. The only truly good person to ever live. And then he goes into this deep valley of suffering and death. Offloading his wealth for us. It's so that he has treasure in heaven. It's life with his Father but it's also life with you and me. His treasure is us. I am offloading all of my wealth so that I can have treasure in heaven, so that in the heavenly realm, in the kingdom of God, you will be there too. Isn't that amazing? We are his treasure, and that is love. And so when we encounter Jesus for who he is and what he's done, now we know love. That's what unlocks this door for us to walk down these pathways with God in relationship with Him to find life because it is not transactional. It's, it's heart. It's love. It's your whole being. It's a way of living. And now we have new hearts. And now we can start to experience that never-ending life now. And, the, and somebody who got this on some level is uh, Chadwick Boseman who played Black Panther. I don't know um, where he was spiritually, but um, I heard this incredible story that he got accepted when he was a student into Oxford's Balliol Theater Program, which was this really prestigious program, but he couldn't afford to go. So his professor, who was friends uh, with Denzel Washington, uh, didn't tell him who, but found a secret benefactor for him to enable him to go to this program. And then later, when it was revealed to him that it was Denzel Washington, um, Chadwick Boseman thanked him saying this an offering from a sage and king is more than silver and gold it is a seed of hope a bud of faith there is no black panther without Denzel there is no me without you 
The things that you refused to compromise on along the way laid the blueprints for us to follow. It's an honor now to know you, to learn from you, and to join in this work with you. Like the way that he talks about Denzel, that's what Jesus is inviting us into. Like you have opened the door for us to experience life. This thing that we've been trying desperately to get in and kick down on our own, and we can't. And now you've opened the door for me, and it is worth more than all the treasure that Forrest Finn could bury in the American West. And now it is an honor. It is life itself to walk with you down these pathways to the heart of God and to join you in this work. And so I'm going to talk to uh, our Midtown West people for a minute here um, and to all of you as brothers and sisters in Christ. But like that's what God's doing in Midtown West is he is building and doing across Midtown and all of his, his church everywhere is he's building a community where people are learning how to love for the first time. That we're putting down this transactional way of life. We're helping each other put down this transactional way of life to show our cards, to be ourselves, and to ask Jesus, please, please help me to keep these commandments from my heart so that I can experience life with you now. Eternal life is not the status that we walk into later. It starts now as we enjoy life with him, and I need you to help me along this path, and you need me to help you along this path. And so let's go, because that's the only place we're going to find life. Father, uh, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your self. Thank you for laying everything down, all of your treasure, all of your wealth, so that us poor, blind, self-centered, hollow, frayed, fractured sinners can have life and have love and, and know what that is for the first time, Lord. Continue to, to lead us down these pathways to love God, to walk away from idols and false gods, to find life and to give life. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.